Welcome back to the Stop the Violence podcast. Whether you are a vegan, not a vegan, or a vegan animal rights activist, you're more than welcome to join this show. Even if you are a hater, with the number eight in the word, a hater, you are welcome if you are a hater. So nothing too, too much is new with me. We were able to charge those lovely, lovely men who assaulted us and who punched me. Um, We were able to give them a fee, a charge that they had to pay. And we haven't gotten any calls from the police. So that means that they agreed to just pay it and not try to fight it. So I guess that there's, you know, that's my little update on that in case I forgot to mention it. I'm not really sure. If you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? On around January 24th, uh, I was attending a slaughterhouse vigil in Pennsylvania with the soy boyfriend and another activist friend. We were just holding signs, being peaceful. As always, we were at a public intersection um, where the slaughter trucks with the animals inside go by. And these two lovely, lovely men uh, that live in a house that's nearby, but not near enough to where they could even hear us talking at a conversational level. But, but they, and, and also not even near enough for us to like notice that there was a house there. It's far away. It's in the dark. Um, anyway, and they walked all the way up to this intersection and they were really triggered and really angry. And they just straight up, like after they were having their screaming temper tantrum, Um, They just started physically assaulting us and I got like punched in the side of the head and in the shoulder and it didn't last very long because the soy boyfriend took the guy who was punching me and threw him on the ground and then after that they were they realized what they were up against and they walked away but um, so yeah we were able to charge them successfully so that's always nice. The other just little tiny thing is that I'm going to be posting podcasts on Fridays from now on at least until something goes wrong with that. Um, It was on Tuesdays before, now it's going to be on Fridays because I had to move some things around with my work schedule. Anyways, today's topic is going to be about balancing positivity and negativity when you're a vegan animal rights activist because that can be really difficult to navigate. You're you're talking about an issue and an injustice that is obviously going to be a lot of negative energy, right? Because it's torture, it's death, it's suffering. Um, you, you have to tell the truth about that and, and shine light on that shadow, um, but you also can't go so far to where your mental and emotional health is spiraling out of control because you feel helpless and you're getting all these anti-vegan comments and like bullying or even assault assaulting like I just mentioned. So it can be really hard to navigate not spiraling into negativity and just feeling hopelessness and unhappiness truly as a vegan animal rights activist. It's not as easy to kind of be the happy, you know, they say ignorance is bliss, the kind of happy whatever person you were before when you just weren't really thinking about anything you were buying, you weren't thinking about ethics, and you were just kind of doing whatever and thinking about yourself. There's a, there's, it's easier to kind of be happy Although it's a more superficial level of happiness, it's easier though than it is when you kind of face and open your eyes to the suffering that does exist. 
And then, of course, learning how to not take the anger and the sadness from what you're witnessing with the slaughter footage and the vigils and the suffering going on and the anti-vegan people out there that are coming at you and not like using that energy and kind of putting out toxicity through your activism, not like taking it out on the people that you're having conversations with and obviously not like name calling people, not talking down to people and just not letting it consume you in a negative way. But then on the whole other end of this spectrum of extremes is the danger of toxic positivity and kind of this mindset of rewarding people for taking baby steps and congratulating them for, you know, oh, you, tr- you, you didn't eat an egg today. You, you're trying so hard. And, and furthermore, when you're talking about what's happening to the animals, being so careful and so like you baby stepping and walking on eggshells, don't want to possibly trigger someone, don't want to possibly upset someone by telling them the truth. Like being so conscious of your tone, your word choice, until to the point where you're not even accurately representing the suffering that's going on. And even worse, just withholding from doing activism or talking about the animals, what's happening to them at all, because you're worried about this kind of like good vibes only culture or, you know, that you're you're being negative when you shine light on these issues and where you're way more concerned with how people might react to the truth and how they might receive it and the, the possibility of them having hurt feelings or them having their trauma triggered or whatnot and whatever or them not liking you um, and and being feeling guilty about that and taking that so far to where you don't talk about it and you just stay quiet because you know you you don't want to be that negative person right and kind of letting all the people who are still paying for animal abuse who are animal abusers themselves or who are still paying for the cruelty tell you like how you can and can't talk for the animals and how you can and can't do activism because that doesn't even really make sense. Like, how am I going to let someone who's still paying for animal cruelty tell me that I need to change this and that in order to possibly convince them? Like, they're putting the responsibility on me. I've been having a huge epiphany lately that my job as a vegan activist is only two things. Only two things. First and foremost, to tell the truth about what is going on to the animals. And secondly, to help animals in any way that I can, which could be like going to sanctuaries, rescuing animals, um, and things like that. And also, telling the truth helps animals. That's it. I don't have to talk to people if they're being disrespectful. I don't have to owe everyone a response to a comment. I don't have to worry about being liked. I don't have to take it as my responsibility of how people react to hearing the truth or how they react to my activism. And I also don't have to take the burden of every non-vegan in this world and the non-veganness in general of this world on my shoulders and feeling like I have to answer everyone and I have to like constantly be on the clock for the animals to where I burn out not feeling like responsible for the non-veganness of this world it sounds silly but when you really care and when you're really out here trying your best and you've been to vigils and you've seen these animals and you've looked in their eye you kind of feel like 
it's all on you and you have to constantly be doing whatever you can and that's not healthy and that's not going to lead to longevity. I heard somewhere that the average lifespan of a vegan activist is only five years because people get burnt out. So you will hear about that and you will also hear about how I'm really big on the fact that toxic positivity really holds back veganism. But before we continue with that topic, there's just a couple of things, little like news type developments that I want to bring up. So the first thing is this amazing new TEDx talk. You know how I love my TEDx talks. I'm always shouting out Earthling Ed's Every Argument Against Veganism TEDx talk. He has another one too, but it's mostly that one that I'm always shouting out. Because if you didn't know, I heard that. I was already eating a plant-based diet, but I didn't know any of the ethics. I didn't bother to look into it. And that came up on my algorithm one day and I listened to it and it turned me into an instant vegan for the animals. And I started doing activism only two months later. So there's a lot of power with these TEDx talks. They're so, they're so concise. They're so well-spoken and you know, people don't necessarily have a big guard up when they're listening to a TEDx talk. So that's why I think they're very effective and important. So the new TEDx talk I'm talking about is the new one by Cosmic Skeptic. I know his real name is Alex. I don't remember his last name right now, but I've actually been a subscriber to the Cosmic Skeptic since like 2015 or something like that because I definitely went through an angry atheist phase in like late 2014, 2015, maybe even 2016 and a little onward because, <laughs> I mean, I've never been religious. I've never really, <laughs> you know, I've never gone to church. Luckily, that wasn't forced on me and really that wasn't indoctrinated into me. I'm grateful for that every single day. But um, I did almost get involved with a Christian cult when I was a freshman in college at Colorado State University. And I... <laughs> Long story short, I was in an abusive relationship at the time, so I wasn't, like, allowed to have friends and to talk to people, so I was completely alone living in the dorms and pretty miserable, and this, you know, girl who was a little older than me came up to me on campus. They're called Grace Christian Church, by the way, if you want to, like, there's articles written about how they're a cult and stuff, so you can fact check me on this, but... She came up to me and she was really nice and really sweet and she showed all this interest in wanting to be my friend and I was like, you know, she's a female so like my abusive partner will <laughs> let me be friends with her. So I ate it up basically and she wanted to hang out and I was like, oh, this is great because, you know, he shouldn't have a problem. She's a Christian so she's not going to want me to go party or anything like that. And anyway, so this friendship which wasn't even a real friendship, went on for like five weeks. And I was so not even interested in the Bible study part. I wasn't interested in any of that shit. I just, I was so desperate for a friend and she totally took advantage of that. And, but I was still pretty smart and I was still like a independent thinker. And I could tell pretty quickly that where this was all heading. And so I put a stop to it, but I didn't know I would be getting on this side tangent in this podcast. That's pretty funny. So anyways, the point of the story is that that experience really fueled me to become like a hard atheist and an angry atheist. 
and I found like the Cosmic Skeptics uh, YouTube channel, just like videos where they're using logic against religion. Um, I'm I'm pretty against organized religion in the sense of how it controls people and how it makes people feel ashamed and how it just does so much damage. I'm not against like believing in whatever you want to believe in and practicing whatever you want to practice, but it's very clear that in a majority of these organized religions, they do a lot of harm to their own followers and just to the world. And, you know, I, I shouldn't probably have to explain that. I feel like most people these days are on board that like organized religion. I want to say most people. There's so many people that are still religious, but it's becoming more and more, I guess, mainstream to criticize religion and to not just accept it is what I'm... But wow, I'm on like a huge tangent right now. So back to the TEDx talk. So he's gone and branched into veganism, which is amazing because he's getting the vegan message out to this vast audience of people that came to his channel in the first place for religious debates and religious philosophy and skepticism, hence his name, Cosmic Skeptic. And that is a perfect audience to bring veganism to because these are the kind of people who are free thinkers, who are open to debates, who are thinking for themselves. And so he's been so successful in turning so many people vegan. I think he has more subscribers than Earthling Ed. And he's very like similar to Earthling Ed in the way that he speaks and the way that he does things. So anyway, he just did a, uh, a TEDx talk called the secret weapon against pandemics that nobody wants to talk about. And he's also made vegan videos lately. It's excellent, excellent work. And I just want to shout out this TEDx talk because it's so good. And I want to maybe play a couple of clips from it. Many people know of the ethical horrors of animals being confined and harmed within these disgusting facilities. But not so many people know that an unintended consequence of housing the animals we unnecessarily farm for food in such close proximity, such high numbers and such outrageously unhygienic conditions as are present in factory farms is an explosion in the likelihood that an animal-based virus will mutate into one with zoonotic abilities. That is, one that spreads to humans. Factory so yeah, I'm a big fan of TED Talks and just speaking in this kind of way where it's sort of like just educational and it's not it's not hopefully going to make people feel as triggered. Of course, people are still going to see this and be triggered, but I think it's just effective because it's just someone kind of objectively without emotion just speaking the truth like this is how it is. The last moments of these animals' tragic lives are spent writhing around in confused agony, trapped in a cage that's been lowered into a chamber of carbon dioxide, wherein, after a lifetime of suffering, they're finally choked to death. And for what? All for the sake of a bacon sandwich. Clearly, with since they can't survive without a host. A host is simply an organism which viruses can infect and use to replicate themselves and increase their population. So in order to replicate in this manner, viruses have to infect the cells of other living beings who serve as the virus's host. Now this host carrying a virus may be a mosquito, or it may be a pig, it may be a cow, or it may be a human being. 
A virus will jump from one host to another any time it gets the chance to. And the more hosts that there are available, the more transmissions can occur. But as a virus replicates, it sometimes mutates. When the virus copies itself, the copy is an imperfect one with some kind of small difference. Now, these mutations are completely random, but sometimes a mutation happens to occur that gives the virus a new ability that aids its survival, such as, for example, the ability to transmit not just from one animal to another, but from one species of animal to another. Remember, when this kind of transmission occurs, specifically from a non-human animal to a human being, we have a zoonotic disease. COVID-19 is an example of a zoonotic disease. As is bird flu, Ebola, malaria, and swine flu, some of the most famous and dangerous viruses that we know of. Now, picture again the factory farm. The barns full of animals packed together in their tens of billions per year. If these animals are carrying a virus, this translates into tens of billions of potential hosts every year. The more hosts, the more random mutations. And the more mutations, the higher the chance of the virus developing into a zoonotic disease with the ability to transmit to humans. I just really felt like it was important to play those couple of clips because I haven't talked very much about the pandemic on this podcast. I just don't like talking about things if I'm not really well versed on them, so that's why I haven't. But, you know, listen to this TEDx talk. It's really good, as you can tell. I just want to shout out this article that I was really surprised and happy that came out on Yahoo News because, you know, that's pretty mainstream. Um, It is an independent piece by Jane Dalton called Stop Ignoring Root Cause of Pandemics While Focusing on Vaccines, World Leaders, and UN Told. And it's a really excellent article. I was so pleasantly surprised when my mom showed me this. And I'll just read a couple of quotes from it. So, quote, According to both the World Health Organization and a UN Environment Report last year, 75% of all emerging infectious diseases originate in animals, and Four Paws is warning of a ticking time or ticking time bombs all over the world from practices where pathogens may emerge and spread. What's really good about this article, though, is that instead of just talking about like wildlife meat trade and things like that, they talk about how we need to limit our animal products like as a whole. And I think that's a good step in the right direction. Of course, I don't know why they're not saying to eliminate the practices of animal products, but I guess what can you expect from mainstream news, right? But yeah, anyway, let's get back into the topic of balancing positivity and negativity and the concern of toxic positivity as well as the concern of spiraling into a mental breakdown and burnout as an activist. So I've been an activist for over a year and a half now, and I've really noticed that overall I'm just so much more stressed and it's kind of harder for me to let go and feel joy and be excited about life and stuff like that. And it's because it fucking sucks sometimes to care so much about an issue and to, ha- and to be bullied for it, to be physically harmed for it to be verbally abused on a day-to-day basis. I've gotten comments that are like, go kill yourself. No one should have to deal with that. I mean, the real victims here are the animals, but it's hard 
when you can't even like I have been watching like a TV show on my phone lately to help me kind of escape the stress of the non-veganness and of being an activist and every single commercial is either a prescription pill prescribed to fix something that could be prevented by eating a plant-based diet or it's a food commercial about animal products where they're all zoomed in and it's quite literally put in your face like how everyone tries to say that vegans put things in your face um if you're a vegan you know there's a lot more times a day that we have animal abuse put in our face than the rare occasion where you might run into a vegan message one think of all the billboards the advertisements the smells even of the animals cooking it's so normalized the comment sections can be so toxic. It's more often than not that it's just trolls or people verbally abusing you or bullying you or just attacking unrelated things like your appearance. I've gotten so many attacks on my appearance, way more than I ever did before I was a vegan activist because, you know, you can't really argue with the vegan message. You can try, but you get shut down pretty quickly. You know, us activists, we're We've trained ourselves on how to answer every excuse. So people get desperate and they start being just flat out toxic to you. And people get so triggered and instead of responding, they react and they, they, they feel guilty because you're calling them out on things, something they're doing wrong. And then they try and do anything they can to like put that guilt back onto you. And it can be a lot to take sometimes. So lately I've been really honest with myself on how I'm allowing that all to affect me and how I need to draw boundaries and not just let myself wake up and just have a whole day basically of like reading comments not that I read comments all day but like a whole day where I'm subjected to like these responses from people and just realizing like hey maybe I don't have to answer any comments you know I, I have this feeling all the time, like, if I don't answer every comment, if I don't debate every person that's on my videos or wherever it may be, then these people are going to pay for animal cruelty because I didn't debate them or because I didn't answer their comment. And that's just so not true. Like, you know, these people are being presented with the information and their reaction to it is based on their level of consciousness as well as their character and their level of compassion and empathy. And it's really ridiculous and way too stressful and way too hard to tell myself that it's my responsibility if they don't go vegan as a result. I mean, Earthling Ed's parents aren't even vegan. And he's the best, like, convincer pretty much of all time. One of them. So it just goes to show it doesn't really... It's not like you as an activist. Like, you're not the problem. Stop letting these people put their responsibility of their choices to pay for cruelty onto you because you're not being a perfect enough activist for their personal preference. So I've been getting really real with myself because if I'm honest, you know, there's people out there who can read comments and who can have comment debates and, you know, they enjoy it or they're not affected by it. But if I'm, if I sit and I'm really real with myself, I know that when I receive the bullying and the hate 
it can trigger my past traumas from the abusers that used to be in my life, especially if these people happen to say something that abusers of my past used to say to me. It can be incredibly triggering. It can, it makes my heart race sometimes. It makes the adrenaline pump to where even meditation, even yin yoga, and even these things like don't bring it down. And I'm just in this state of being triggered. And I've been having this state like at least once a day or multiple times a day just from checking on my YouTube channel and from posting things. Of course, I'm not barely on social media anymore. But when I was a newer activist, I was spending a lot of time. I remember my first post I ever made with an animal rights message got like 425 comments. Then, of course, you know, the social media stopped like everyone, you know, muted me or unfollowed me after a while because people are just so close off to the message. And I really think there's something to say about social media not promoting your stuff anymore when you talk about something controversial. And to the point where the only people who barely see my stuff now are also already vegan and it's like an echo chamber. It's really frustrating, but um, that's a side tangent. It was really starting to affect my life and affect my ability to be present, affect my self-image, and just make me feel so hopeless because I just can't believe some of these trolls and these people who are so mean, who so do not care at all about the animals to the point where they're ready to mock and make fun of it. I mean, you have these counter-protesters showing up to vigils where Regan Russell was killed counter-protesting and you know there's so much anti-vegan like mindset and and not even anti-veganism but anti-vegan people it's a real thing and that's why I think there is something to be said about the existence of vegan phobia that gets us into the conversation of that vegan teacher which is a little bit of a touchy subject Um, I actually do want to mention that, though, while I'm on it. So that vegan teacher, if you don't know her, you've been living under a rock because every YouTuber ever, whether they're vegan or not, has been making reaction videos to that vegan teacher. There's a lot that she says that I really agree with. Obviously, her promotion of animal rights and stuff and her, you know, not willingness to sway on that, I have a respect for. Um, and so everyone was making these videos where they were reacting to, like, a couple things that she said that in my eyes were like, ooh, that's really iffy, that should be talked about, she should be called out on that for, but that's not really cancel-worthy. And I was really upset because none of these people making reaction videos, whether they claim to be vegan or not, they were not addressing the animal rights part of what she was doing, and it made me really upset Because I saw all these comments and people saying like, I'm not vegan because of this or I'm not vegan because vegans are racist. And I was really fucking upset at this whole like lack of personal accountability of people being like just pointing at something wrong that that vegan teacher said and using it as their excuse to pay for animal cruelty. And it made me really upset. So I'd only watched a couple of these reaction videos and it was a a few weeks ago. And it was, it was kind of just on the back of my mind. And I eventually, like, set out to make a video about it. And my whole point was, like, are you guys even watching Dominion? Are you guys even, like, looking into the animal rights parts of what she's saying? Or are you just focusing on, like, the fact that she used hashtag all species lives matter? Um, 
or the fact that she used the term vegan phobia. And, you know, a lot of people were upset because you can't really compare what we go through as vegans to what, say, black people go through, trans people, gay people, etc. Because they're born with it and in a lot of cases with race especially, you know, I can walk around and no one can see I'm a vegan activist. But like a black person, you can't walk around without being seen that they're black. So they obviously have more <laughs> challenges and more frequent challenges. And it's not really fair to kind of say that they're at the same level, but at the same time, vegan phobia is a thing. It's clearly a thing. I mean, v Regan Russell is proof of that. And then, of course, her use of the word Holocaust. That's been a, such a conversation lately. You know, can we use the word Holocaust? Can we use the word rape? It's mostly those two words. And for those things, not for the hashtag, but for those couple of things, the vegan phobia thing and the, uh, uh, <laughs> the use of the word Holocaust and the word rape, I wanted to defend that vegan teacher on those main things. And I wanted to kind of make the point like, yeah, it was really fucked up of her to use like the all species lives matter hashtag right when George Floyd happened. Um, but I, I just, I felt like, but half of the country is like anti BLM and we're not like taking down everybody's platform for that. So why is this happening to that vegan teacher? But I, so I made a reaction video to her where I was making these points and I was like, don't you guys see that you can't point to someone else as your reason to do whatever you want and harm whoever you want because someone else is doing something bad. Or like, you know, I was making the point like, just because one vegan activist did something wrong, you wouldn't be like, oh, this feminist activist did something wrong, therefore I'm using that to justify oppressing women. I was feeling just mad because I felt like this doesn't happen to other movements. It's because she's a vegan. So I made this reaction video making these points, but I, I made a huge mistake of not looking deeper into what that vegan teacher has actually done and posted. I should have watched more videos before I made the response. And this horrible thing happened like seven days ago today or something like that where she made an acronym of the n-word and her whole point was like ban cruelty not words and she's against censorship and all that which um i can see what sh what's kind of attempting to be said but the way in which she went about it by showing the actual n-word making an acronym about it next to a black doll was so like disgusting and when i saw that i didn't know that she did that before i made my video and I was absolutely appalled. And then I didn't know that she was actually literally saying the N-word. And then I felt disgusted because I'm like, oh my fucking God. Now it looks like I'm defending the use of the N-word and this acronym. And I felt disgusted. I felt so horrible. I felt so like, and so I made like a little like, you know, I, I took down my video and I made like, a, I'm sorry, I didn't know how bad it was. Because I was just in this mindset of, like, thinking about the animals on the trucks that I've seen at Vigil. And I was, like, I was thinking about that and I was just angry that people were pointing at one random lady on TikTok as their reason to pay for those animals to be on those trucks. And that is what I was thinking about. And I made a huge mistake of not doing further research. And I felt horrible. And I am trying to right that wrong and stuff. And I am sorry to anyone that I hurt. 
Um, I was never defending the use of the N-word. I didn't even know that that was something that was being done. So, yeah. So, but I learned so much from that experience. And now that I know more of what she's done and how bad it actually is, my stance on her is that I don't support her. I don't follow her. You know, I'm not, you know. But I also, like, the reason I didn't know everything that she's done is because when you're vegan for the animals, you don't revolve your life around what famous vegan influencers are doing. You don't watch their TikTok all day. You don't watch their YouTube all day. You're you're doing your own activism for the animals. So that's the main reason why, I, not to excuse it, but that's like why I didn't know how bad it was. But um, I, I just hope that the people making these reaction videos do actually watch Dominion and do just, you know, forget her, like follow Earthling Ed, you know? It, but yeah, uh, I think she's hurt a lot of people and I really wish that she just would do her activism the way she's doing it and like, you know, in her style and everything, but without going too far and without hurting people and being discriminatory and just outright doing things that are horrible. I just don't know why she had to kind of ruin what could have been a very positive impact by doing something so obviously wrong that she should have known better. But yeah, I learned, like, from now on, if a vegan activist, a famous one, is trending, I'm just gonna fucking, like, unless someone tells me about it, I'm not gonna, like, go out of my way to get involved, because at the end of the day, it's kind of like drama and gossip in a way. I mean, people need to be held accountable, especially when they have big platforms. But for me as an activist, I don't need to be worried about any of these big vegans and the drama of their lives. It's just not helpful to the animal. It's not helpful to me because when you get involved with these things, you have to really know, like, you have to not take things out of context. You have to see the whole situation. You have to, like, really analyze these people's whole everything that they ever do in order to, like, make your argument. And who the fuck has time for that? I just think instead we need to be promoting people like Earthling Ed who are not problematic, basically. And that's it, because it's a waste of time and energy and mental health and all of that shit. So I'm going to talk about kind of my tips and ideas for how to combat going on the negative extreme end of things and spiraling into, like, depressive feelings and negativity as an activist and burnout and all that sort of stuff. And then I'm also going to give my tips and ideas and thoughts on how to prevent going way too far into the toxic positivity side of things. So I made myself a list of my activism rules and, you know, your activism rules doesn't have to look like this. You don't even have to have rules if you don't want to, but if you're being affected negatively then it's a good idea, I think. And so I'm just going to read what my rules are. So not in any particular order, but the first rule is don't force myself to go to vigil or to go to any activist event. In the past, I have really forced myself to go to events when I was just really not feeling like interacting and socializing that day. And then I ended up going to that event just with a really just 
horrible mindset and horrible feeling and just like wanting to not be there the entire time. And I think that we can pressure ourselves a lot as activists to go into everybody's event. I mean, these events are created by our friends and we don't want to let our friends down. We want to show up. We don't want to let the animals down. But if we say yes to everything, then sometimes we're going to be saying no to ourselves. And it's just this whole idea of you have to fill your own cup up first. And if you're not nurturing and caring for yourself and taking time out and taking breaks and taking the rest that you need, you're not going to be able to show up near as effectively for the animals. The newest rule that I'm adding is do not comment on things and do not answer comments. It's a waste of time and you interact with toxic bullies as well as you get your own trauma triggered. And if someone has something important to say or ask me, they can message me, like on Instagram or Facebook. Um, I just think this is really important because I have self-analyzed and realized that a lot of my stress and trigger and, you know, whatever comes from seeing hate comments because, it you know, my family has sent me hate comments and it's a trigger of my past trauma and it's really hard for me to cope with these triggers and to like recover from them and you know I can work on coping with these triggers but that doesn't mean that I have to allow myself to be subjected to these triggers non-stop because you know I'm a vegan activist so these things are being sent to me non-stop. (laughs) It's just not worth my valuable time, energy, or focus that I could be spending on either something effective for the animals or just enjoying my actual life and doing my hobbies. My mom was telling me recently that Badass Vegan, if you don't know him, he's great. Give him a follow. Um, He's actually making a film called They're Trying to Kill Us about how uh, the government places fast food places and animal products into communities of color and communities of poverty and I'm literally looking forward to when that comes out. I'm not sure when it's coming out but he's a good activist and my mom told me that he doesn't answer comments and that he said you know you would think if you don't answer comments that people would stop watching your stuff and people would stop engaging but that's actually not what I found to be true. And I, I believe that's correct, you know, <laughs> Earthling Ed is not in the comments all day. Like, Joey Carbstrong answers some comments, I'm sure, but not too many, but he also seems like he's more stressed out than Ed. So, you know. When it comes to online comment debates, they usually don't go well. They usually turn pretty toxic pretty fast. Um, people are hiding behind a computer and they can kind of say whatever they want. It's very different from in-person outreach. I'm not going to stop doing in-person outreach because I actually haven't really had an experience or at least very little experiences where people were actually verbally abusive or disrespectful to me when they're face-to-face, like making eye contact. It's a lot harder to be cruel when you're making eye contact and when you're face-to-face, hence why we asked people to go to vigils. It'd be a lot harder to pay for animal products if you were face-to-face with it. Um, but anyway, with comments, it's kind of like a free reign and they, whatever mood they're in, whatever like insecurity they have, they can just project it onto you and it's, you're just really opening yourself for absolutely anything. And I haven't had 
very many people say like, oh, you've really opened my mind. Oh, I'll look into it. Of course, there's been a few, but the vast majority of them, when it comes to online comments, it just it just gets toxic really fast and really bad. So I'm just not going to do it anymore. I'm just not going to. And unfortunately, that goes for not reading and responding to like the positive comments either. You know, I'm not saying I'll never ever read comments, but I just don't want to waste time responding to them because it takes so much time and energy and my time, I need to value my time and energy more. And maybe you do too as an activist. Maybe that's something to think about and consider. So this is one that I've been using for a long time because I've researched into the negative effects of social media and how you're constantly comparing yourself to others, whether it's how you look or your life or whatever. And you know, I don't have to go into why social media can be toxic and why it can be unhealthy and why it's addictive. Um, you know, watch the Social Dilemma documentary. Um, I will say, like, there's a part of that documentary that I don't necessarily agree with at the end when they're trying to discourage people from protesting. But, you know, watch it with discernment and get out of it what you can. I've been really interested in moving toward either a no smartphone lifestyle, which means I would go back to like an old cell phone. Um, look at look up Harmony Nice. She has a video, a few videos about how she got rid of her smartphone and she only uses like an old school smartphone. Uh, completely got rid of it. So I'm considering like either that lifestyle or something close to that. Because even if you aren't a vegan activist getting hate messages all day long, being on your phone makes you not present. It takes away your life experiences more and it's, it's only really negative for your brain and for your dopamine receptors and all that stuff. Phones are so addictive. And so what I've been doing is staying off social media unless to post something and then getting straight back off. And when I post, it's it's always about something with substance, like about animal rights. And then I just delete the apps off my phone. And so as a result of this, I only log in there like once a week or even less to post like, hey, I have a new podcast out. And then I just delete it right away. Because then I'm not spending time on there like, oh my god, like these these girls are so pretty and my boyfriend follows them and then just like going into a spiral of self-deprecation and negative thinking. That's been helping me a lot. Like you can only really have a positive benefit from being on social media less. I will just say that. And the only reason I haven't like just totally deleted them is because of saving pictures and because of activism. So my next rule, I already covered it when I was talking about that vegan teacher, but it's only focus my time and energy on worthwhile things, ignore drama around famous vegans, you know, stick to Joey Carbstrong and Earthling Ed and other non-problematic activists, point people in their direction, and just, who cares? Like, who cares if there's drama around James Aspie? Who the fuck cares? That doesn't have to do with the animals, so why do I care? My next rule is take breaks when editing any video, researching a podcast, etc. Don't be a workaholic, do more art and music, and less workaholic activist content. Um, because I have really, like, gotten into workaholism lately, specifically with creating activist content, and a lot of that has to do with creating YouTube videos, so I, I've been really having to rethink that. 
And most of that has to do with just checking the notifications and the views and the comments. But still, like, I need to be more wise with my time and only create videos if I really think that it's necessary. And I don't have to spend, like, an entire day editing, editing a video anymore. I just don't feel like that's useful. It's not enjoyable. It's very tedious. It gives me, like, stress, tension, headaches, and that's not really the direction I want to go in anymore. I've had to realize in recent months that I'm turning towards being a workaholic because I'm running away from certain emotions and certain shadows that I'm dealing with, and I it's a lot better to just deal with those shadows, as we all know, than to try and suppress them or distract ourselves from them. My next rule on the list is to continue prioritizing eating healthy meals, vegan meals, obviously. Um, but that just means more toward whole food plant-based, more away from oil, that kind of thing, um, more smoothies and all that. Um, so prioritize eating healthy meals, drinking water, meditation, working out, affirmations, yoga, and gratitude. Um, and just not neglecting myself because sometimes when I'm in workaholic mode, whether I'm doing something creative or editing or lost in a stupid ass comment debate that's sucking the life force out of me, um, I can tend to forget to have meals or to forget to have water and it's just bad. Um, clearly, like, you know, I'm a highly sensitive person and I think that this whole no commenting thing is gonna positively impact my life. I wake up every morning and I meditate and it's been so lovely because now that spring is coming, I can do that outside and I say out loud verbal affirmations, like positive affirmations, such as I'm whole, happy, and fulfilled on my own from within, or something along those lines. Then after I do my affirmations, I'll usually do a gratitude list of just like, I don't know, 15 or 20 or so things that I'm grateful for. And yeah, it really sets me up for a good day. And then if I combine that with not checking comments and not checking notifications, I'm really setting myself up for a successful and happy day. And I would say this and, you know, the working out and meditation and stuff are an example of like a healthy way of using positivity and optimism as well as like manifesting rituals. I think that's a healthy way. Um, and I'll get into the difference between that and toxic positivity here in a bit. So my next rule on the list is um, continue with no phone day once a week or even more than once a week. So I haven't mentioned this, but I've been doing no phone days once a week. They used to be on Friday, but because of my work schedule, now they're going to be on Saturday. But it's just a day where I don't look at my phone or use my phone at all for 24 hours. And, you know, if I have to drive somewhere, then yeah, I'll, I'll use my GPS on my phone. And I allow myself to talk on the phone with people, but I don't allow myself to text. So it's really good. It really, like, is very peaceful and just nice to help combat. Because phone addiction is a real thing. And it's something that I'm really, like, diligent about not getting further into. And we're so overloaded with information and stimulus that, like, I don't need to be listening to podcasts all day long. I don't need to be consuming vegan information all day long you know it's it's an overload and I don't need to be constantly subjecting myself to something that might make me upset or something that might make me triggered like 
whatever happened to being present, just kind of living simply and living mindfully and slowly. And then the last rule that I have on my list, as of right now at least, is plan some positive social events with vegan friends, not just do activism when you get together. And, you know, the same person that said, like, the average length of longevity for an activist is five years and they get burnt out also stressed that one of the number one ways to combat burnout is to get together with your vegan fam and do fun things and yeah because it's a it's a human need to have community and to feel understood it's when you're around your vegan friends they get you like they get this struggle they get veganism and it helps you not hate being a vegan (laughs) and when I say hate being a vegan I mean like hate the negativity that we get and the non-veganness of this world and everything like that. So when positivity and manifesting and affirmations and all that becomes toxic is examples where like someone comes to you and something terrible just happened in their life and they just need you to hold space which means you know being empathetic and just listening and not trying to solve the problem or escape the problem and and you're just like nope that's negative vibes and here we're only positive vibes (laughs) there's a TEDx talk about toxic positivity that I will link that I really would like you to listen to in the show notes it's kind of like if toxic positivity is taken so far that whole good vibes only thing if it's taken so far then people can come to you with serious problems like in the TEDx talk the guy was getting ready to kill himself and he suppressed everything and he never like reached out for help and in our society so many of us are like that where we never talk about our actual struggles because we don't want to burden people and we don't want to be negative and blah 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 and how you know his mom just happened to have stopped him and asked him listen to the talk When we resist things, it only makes them stronger and it only makes them worse. So when we, our society teaches us to kind of suppress our emotions and to act like we don't feel anger and to act like we don't feel sad and to kind of feel ashamed of it when we do. And it's not recognizing that these are valid emotions and that they're part of the human experience. And these are also emotions that need to be validated. And when someone just says like, oh, stay out of here with that bad energy, like, it's very invalidating. I think there's a huge problem where we all kind of want to act like we don't care and like we're unbothered by everything. And it's just not true. Like, we're all bothered by some things, you know. It's not weak to have these emotions and to talk about these things and to dive into your shadow work. It's actually strong. It takes a lot of strength to do that. And when it comes to what's happening to the animals, I'm sorry, lady or guy or gender non-binary person or whatever you may identify as. I'm not going to change the truth of what happens to animals and sugarcoat it for y- to spare your feelings. You know, I will not stay silent so you can stay comfortable. This needs to be talked about. This needs to be brought to your attention. I've been accused so many times of being like a toxic person because I'm an activist and because I I go on the megaphone and I say what happens to animals and because I do everything that I do. And so much so to the point where I'm like, 
God, am I a toxic negative person? Like, am I just engaging in a bunch of negativity? Um, it's to where it really made me doubt myself. But then, you know, after a while, I'm like, okay, okay, clearly I'm, I'm not. Like, I take every precaution to not be toxic in any way. Like, I've been a victim of toxic people in my past and abusers, and I know I'm not like one of them. But people will make you feel like you are because they're that triggered and uncomfortable by being confronted by paying for animal cruelty and the reality of it. Not telling the truth about things that happen to any victim, whether human or non-human, can only make things worse. Like, abuse thrives on secrecy. There's so many people in this world, especially spiritual people, that are like, posy vibes only! And if they are scrolling and they see, like, an exposure of cruelty that goes into their dairy products that they're buying, let's say, they'll just scroll on by it and be like, I don't need that negativity in my life. I don't need that energy. I can't believe that that person shared it. (laughs) But then they'll go and pay for it. So it's like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) So let me get this straight. You can't be bothered to watch it or see it. Or have it on your feed and you think, oh, it's so bad that someone posted that. But you don't think it's bad that you're paying for it to happen? Like, this video wouldn't be on your feed if people like you weren't paying for this thing to happen. When someone's doing something horrible and awful to a victim, again, human or non-human, it needs to be addressed and talked about for what it is. We don't use soft lullaby voices and only positive vibes words when we're confronting, like, a child molester or a murderer, you know what I mean? It's just ridiculous. So I guess kind of just off the cuff, my tips for not spiraling into toxic positivity are to challenge people when they say things like good vibes only or get out of here with that negative energy or you're being toxic when you're just telling the truth about what happens to animals. Challenge that, for one thing. Learn how to have empathy and hold space and listen to people when they come to you with issues. Don't suppress your own issues and don't tell other people to suppress their issues. Learn about shadow work. Learn about that shit. If you don't like the term shadow work, then think of it as therapy and confronting your demons, if you will, um, instead of letting them kind of run your life. Make sure that you've been to at least one slaughter vigil and that you've seen Dominion at least once. And when you see how bad things are, it'll put it into perspective not to fall victim to all these people around you telling you, like, oh, get out of here. No one wants to hear that. You're just being, like, toxic. Like, you need to change your tone and how you say this. You need to not use these words. They hurt people's feelings. They trigger people. When you, when you keep at all times in your mind what is going on to the animals, you'll be able to see that for what it is. And it's really just them trying to protect themselves from the guilt that they should feel for paying for these products. I want to tell a, a personal story from when I was pretty young about that really just demonstrates how damaging and how toxic positivity just truly makes everything so much worse. But before that, I just thought of something. Sorry, ADHD brain here. 
When I was talking about positive affirmations earlier in the morning, I think it's important to differentiate between that, using that as kind of like a preventative practice or just, you know, to cultivate more positivity and, you know, set yourself up for success and all that in a healthy way. But if if someone just like passed away, obviously you're not going to sit there and be like, I am so happy and I feel ecstatic joy when you're in the middle of grieving. So that would be an example of like using an affirmation in like a toxic positive way. Or when someone else has something really bad or difficult happen in their life, don't go up to them and be like, just say this affirmation or just be positive. Just think positive. Um, or everything happens for a reason or just, you know, really invalidating things like that that just have you ever been just really going through it and someone says something like that and you're just like you just want to be like fuck you to them and yeah there's just there's a time and place for that kind of stuff like affirmations and optimism and if you don't allow yourself to authentically and fully feel like grief pain anger heartbreak then you're just going to suppress it and it's just going to be a problem throughout your life and you're just going to like repeat these cycles where you keep meeting people that do the same thing to you because you haven't worked through it. If you want to learn more about concepts like that, look into Aaron Dowdy. But yeah, the story. So when I was about 14, a freshman in high school, I was writing in my journal and there was clear abuse going on in the household. And I would start to write about it a little tiny bit, but then I'd stop myself and, like, change the subject or be like, oh, but, you know, I'm really lucky, you know, there's there's a people in other parts of the world that don't have food and water, so I really don't have any right to complain. And then, and I still have this journal, I, I made this, like, pact. I put it in a box and everything. I don't know exactly what I wrote, but it was something along the lines of, I will... You know, I will only think positive from now on because I felt like guilty, you know, and part of that's probably the abuse I was receiving, but I felt guilty for talking about the abuse that was happening and for being honest about the experiences. And I basically was, I toxic positivity my way through it for years. And the reason this made it so much worse is because I was suppressing everything and then I was not aware of the fact that I was in a situation that I desperately should have gotten out of. And I could have saved myself years of going through that abuse if I didn't choose toxic positivity as my route. That's another thing too. Like, I think there's value in you know, watching videos of people's stories and experiences, like whether it's in a third world country or whether having a debilitating disability or a severe disfigurement and watching those videos and like giving perspective and being like, oh, you know, I am so grateful that I have my sight, that I have my hearing, that, you know, I have like a face, whatever, that I have food and water, that I'm not in a war zone. Like, that's good. We should always have perspective. But when you're going through something hard, and instead of being validated, because we need to be validated, that's just the, that's just a human thing. We need to be validated. Like, be upset about it, but that's just a need. It's just how, like, it's just a need. We need to be validated when we are going through shit. 
by others and by ourselves especially. And when you're going through something hard and someone goes up to you and says, well, that's nothing. I went through this or like, how dare you feel bad about this? This is happening to someone else and that's clearly worse. That is like so rampant in our culture and that is just not the right time and place to be interjecting that perspective of others' struggles because in that time and place, you need to be validating your own. Even the hardest struggle of life, there's still going to be someone else on this earth that's having it even harder. But what difference does that make? Like, it doesn't mean anything. Hence why it's in a, it was inappropriate for that vegan teacher to use George Floyd's death and be like, hashtag all species lives matter. Like, yes, the animals are going through things that are as bad or worse than what happened to George Floyd. However, right now we need to validate and deal with what happened to George Floyd. This is like not the time and place. My mom and I practice eclectic witchcraft, which means we don't follow like paganism or an official witchcraft. We do our own thing and we take bits and inspirations from different kinds of witchcraft and kind of it's more self-directed. And we do new moon rituals and full moon rituals. Today there is a new moon and so tonight we will likely be doing our new moon ritual. And what that means is we, we get a nice setup going and everything. I'll spare you the details on that. But basically, it's, you know, writing I am, I have, I feel statements. And it's using, like, the teachings of manifestation and manifesting stuff and, and writing things as if we already have them for whatever it is that we want to bring into our life. I definitely encourage people to learn about manifesting, but to also go into it with discernment and to be careful that there is a lot of toxic positivity within the community of people talking about the law of attraction to where people take it so far to where it's like you can only think positive thoughts, otherwise you're going to manifest something negative or you can only ever feel good because if you ever feel bad, then that means you're manifesting something negative. It's kind of just like using discernment and being a free thinker as you approach it. Because I will tell you, when you approach manifesting in a healthy way, and when you don't get into toxic positivity, manifesting is legit as fuck, and it works. It fucking works. So, you know, something to think about and be aware of. But a lot of you know, manifestation gurus and whatnot can potentially get into this area where you know, they take the whole you, what you focus on grows thing too far to where they ignore anything that's ever dark in this world and just act like it's not happening. And if we do that, if we act like it's not happening, how is it ever going to have a solution? How is it ever going to be helped, you know? And, you know, there's there's positive and negative in this world, so... Every month, we also do a full moon ritual where we release what no longer serves us. And you have to approach this with a healthy mindset, too. You can't just be like, I avoid everything bad, and I avoid every problem, and I just don't deal with stuff, and I just, like, get rid of all people who give me the slight conflict, you know? Like, there's this healthy way of being like, okay, this person's a toxic abuser, and they need to be cut out of my life, and I have evidence for that. And then there's 
taking it too far to where if someone ever slightly offends you or just says something you don't quite like, you just, like, block them and ignore them. And, you know, there's a way that you can take things too far to where you refuse to deal with conflict. And that's something that I have definitely struggled with and gotten into. You know, I speak about all of this, by the way, guys, as someone who has been toxic positive. Like, when I first found spirituality... I definitely engaged a little bit in toxic positivity and just telling people around me like, oh, you just have to think positive and, you, you know, struggles aren't really real and you can just choose not to struggle. Release our shit in a healthy way to where we fully feel them, we fully, like, dissect them, but without spiraling into depression and debilitating ourselves and not being able to function because I've also gone down that path to where I can't get out of bed for several days and that's obviously not good either. It's like deal with it, you know, set a time and space, like maybe an hour or so where you meditate on an issue, where you go into a childhood traumatic event and you feel the emotions and you get it out of your system and stuff and maybe you'll have to do it multiple times throughout your life. But, you know, do it for an hour or so and then afterwards, you know, get back to your life. Don't consume yourself into it. I think a big takeaway with this whole balancing positivity and negativity thing is just not to fucking lose yourself into the extreme on either side. Learn about self-compassion. I'm reading a book called Self-Compassion by, I think her name is Dr. Kristen Neff. I'm not 100% sure, but... You know, when you're going through something hard, give yourself comfort and talk to yourself the way you would talk to a friend. When it comes to doing activism, as long as you aren't verbally abusing people, calling people names, you know, be like Earthing Ed, basically. You don't have to worry about being too negative or spreading toxic energy into the world because you're just telling the truth and it's kind of objective. It's not, you know, it just is. And just like shadow work and facing our shit, it's simply something that has to be done. I think that vegan teacher, how she's literally saying the N-word and making that N-word acronym and doing other things that I don't even necessarily know the full shit of what she's done, but apparently there's a lot, you know, that would be taking your activism and spreading toxic energy and that's, you know, just don't do that. Just don't do that. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Don't let toxic positivity hold back veganism. These animals are suffering in horrible, horrendous ways, and we have a responsibility to speak up for them the way that we would speak up for humans or our own pet dog or, you know, any living being that deserves it. And those animals would not be happy if they knew that we were being like, Oh, yeah, baby steps. That's so great that you eliminated one egg out of your week. And it's okay. I know it's so hard to move your arm over one inch and grab the soy milk. It's poor baby. I don't want to hurt your feelings. So I'm not, I'll stop talking about what happens to the dairy cows. I'm so sorry. I know it's good vibes only. There's a time and a place to be enraged about injustices that are going on, and the animals are one of those things. 
And as Walter Bond said in his book, a compromised voice leads to compromised actions. We need to be confidently and sternly saying this is wrong and this is what happens instead of being weak and being like, oh, well, like, you know, maybe if you didn't want to support male chicks being ground up alive, like, if you feel comfortable and ready to stop supporting that, it is your journey. We got to respect everyone's journey. We got to respect everyone's culture. Throw up. Gag me with a fucking spoon. <laughs> and please just don't stoop to their level when you get trolls and bullies and stuff. If they're, like, saying, like, your fucking nose is ugly, don't go say something back to them. Like, don't stoop to their level. My mom has struggled with this. She's She's good now, but, like, you know, don't abuse and bully people while doing activism because that's definitely not going to help the animals because you you see it with that vegan teacher people see that and they're just like well i'm gonna pay for fucking 50 steaks because that vegan's mean like unfortunately people are like that so we can't you know why would you want to be a bully anyway you know as an activist you want to be the opposite of a bully and help people to not bully animals you're standing up for a victim you're being the opposite of a bully so why would you want to bully people anyway but yeah <laughs> but yeah whew, i'm looking forward to just like living a happier life and doing more of my hobbies and not being stressed and full of tension and just awful all the time as a result to reading comments and answering comments and talking to people who online it's easy for them to act like they just couldn't give a fuck less much more easily than if you were actually talking to them face to face so yeah focus your energy it's so precious on what is worthwhile with that being said i think that just about wraps all up what i wanted to say about all this um <laughs> it's so funny because in the middle of this podcast i got a call um or a text from the soy boyfriend and he was like Oh, yeah, um, he, we, funny story, we have to go to court now because, <laughs> um, the people that assaulted us are pleading not guilty, which is hilarious because we have it on video footage and they've got nothing on us and the cop that I dealt with as well as the chief there, luckily, and maybe this is partially because of, I'm white and I have privilege with the police, unfortunately, but that's just, you know. But anyway, they're on our side, so it's hilarious that they're going to try and plead not guilty. I think they're hoping that we just forget about it and not show up, but yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty funny that I was just telling you guys that, like, hey, they're just going to pay the fee, and then I get this call. It's like I jinxed it. Motherfuckers! So lame. But yeah. <sighs> my loves if you are not vegan yet watch dominion on youtube what are you even doing listening to my whole podcast episode if you're not vegan lol no but like if you are like i genuinely applause you for being like that open-minded but um anyway if you're not vegan watch dominion watch dairy scary watch all this shit i always have it linked listen to the tedx talk every argument against veganism blah 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 Let's start getting at least a quarter or half even as offended as we are by what words vegan used by the actual cruelty that's happening to animals. Let's get offended by the actual cruelty, by the actual problem, not the 
use of the word holocaust because it's accurate by definition you know not the use of the word rape and let's start treating other animals the way we treat our dogs and cats and stop you know having this dog and cat fetish where we would fucking die for our dog but who fucking cares about a pig you know let's stop that let's go vegan let's stop the violence thank you so much for listening bye